0: Welcome to a new conversation with Chani and Peretz, episode 3, part 2. Our conversation continues with our guest, a successful businessman who raised a beautiful family in an Orthodox community to which he's committed to, yet calls out the bigotry he finds within it towards the others, and welcomes inspiration he finds in other religions and non-Jews. Thank you for joining the conversation, and enjoy.
1: So, so my earlier comment about the disparaging comments towards non-Jews,
0: which is an Orthodox theology. I, th- I I I won't call it theology. I'd say it's more a, a, a an Orthodox um, culture, but not related. But unrelated. But it's unrelated to to it, It's not from it's not Judaism. It comes from a, from the Gemara, from the texts. There are references of okay.
1: Let's call yeah. the rabbinic rabbinic teachings. Are you
0: comfortable with that? It there are there are there are state yeah. there's certainly statements of the rabbinic teachers that speak in those terms, but. There is many rabbinic sages that speak other, that speak otherwise, and here's the key though. The key though is that it's it's the application. In other words, you can find the text, and you can find a, a source and a quote for so many things that we both make us that we both agree with, and we both disagree with, disagree with that 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 are that are <coughs> relevant and those that are irrelevant. The question is, how do we apply them?
1: Fair enough. So I would like to speak about that, how we apply that. So. Um, again, I'm, now, um, I'm not a religious sociologist, so I'm, I'm very comfortable telling you that a lot of what I'm doing is sort of anecdotal obs- observation on my part, although I still believe and I think you're validating that my assumptions outside Lubavitch are still uh, accurate. But here I'll say, um, in a general sense, speaking of the Orthodox world from where I come, uh, two comments uh, about the what I call the near other, not the far other. Uh, the near other, near other are Jews. Uh, far other are obviously non-Jews, or in my case Muslims, which are the furthest other. The near others: two examples of the balechuvah, the person who has returned to observance, and the convert. We have rabbinic expressions that tells you that where the Bal stands, you are not worthy of standing in his shoes, so to speak, because he has achieved so much. And as far as the the convert, the ger it is the commandment of loving the stranger, which is more repeated, more often repeated than any other commandment in Torah, thirty six times. If you were an editor of the Chumash, you would have a red pen out to try to say. I don't hear it again. And I I submit to you uh, that my observation has been that in both cases, loving the stranger or the convert and admiring and celebrating the Baal Tshuva uh, fall far short of the intent originally of what that's about. Uh, you're nodding your head. I don't know if you feel this In agreement. Okay. And that's another example of what I call benign racism. I was taught as a child. There was a family that converted in my author, modern Orthodox synagogue, whole family, and my mother said, we can never trust them. They went through an Orthodox conversion, and that was the first time I ever heard of a convert. We can never trust them. She didn't make that up. She, she absolutely made that up. She, it's- you know, she, she didn't. She wasn't born with that. She heard that culturally. Sure. Culturally, exactly. you may say she's wrong, and that, and I agree with that. But that, you know, we we have converts. We, we I've never heard a rabbi ever speak about the and in true teaching, and and certainly I'm modern Orthodox by affiliation, in the in the in the more, Haredi communities. It's, it's a very different story. And look, all I'm saying is, these are examples. We still haven't gotten to what I learned from the non-Jews, okay? But in, I, I'm saying part of my growth was to say, I need to accept that I will reject as much as I can the racism, benign and otherwise, that says this person is lower than I am by some level and some reason. Or that the reformed Jew is not really a Jew because he hasn't he has rejected he or she's rejected the divine promise and the premise and the Torah and the divine everyone has something to say about why we are superior. And I say we are all who we are. Mortals, we play on the earth for a few years and we turn into something else and we we vanish. So I, I, I've come to terms with that and part of my coming to terms was rejecting The rabbinic teachings and the racism that that speaks to that's what my point is it still hasn't flipped a coin to the other side because i celebrate with great pride and great pleasure and enthusiasm what i've learned from my real others the far others because that to me has been you know one one of the things that i've found that uh is you somewhat unusual considering my background and, and my embrace of that of
0: those well, cultures. I, I, well i i think that what you all, what you described and and I did, and i agree with it that it exists is all a result of failed spirituality in other words there is a lack of spirituality uh, in in orthodox judaism and, or and in a failed spirituality i mean in the fact of people Absorbing spirituality and being feeling a sense of spirituality that allows them to, in a certain sense, see beyond the apparent and and, and see beyond what their you know beyond what their senses touch. So when they see a, a, a person who, of, of of who's different than them, what appears apparently is the different, but a person of spiritual sensitivity who's spiritually sensitive could see th- the story behind that individual's life, could see what who they are, what they bring into the conversation in the, in their presence, uh, and and I think this goes perhaps to what you're gonna uh, the next point of our conversation is is uh, I, I th- the spirituality that you found other uh, you found in other places. And I think per- I would venture to say that the reason why. You rejected all this is because of your being of a spiritual orientation, more of a spiritually oriented individual, and um, and you've clearly found that.
1: Uh, thank you for the compliment. I actually don't feel that I am such an incredibly spiritual person. I wouldn't. I mean, I think I'm. I have a sensitivity uh, and an openness to other people. I don't consider myself. I struggle with prayer. So, remember, highly spiritual people shouldn't.
0: That, <laughs> yeah, okay. that Proof, proof,
1: use. proof. Okay, I no. got it. but but I'm saying I, I I have to say that you know we're gonna transition to the other side you know to the positive side of what I've learned, but I I, I just feel that I must say that um, the liberation that I felt uh, in dismissing, discounting, uh, and Non, the non-acceptance of rabbinic teachings was hugely important to my development because um, I think you know we, to be candid here um, if we're going to speak about spirituality, we have to acknowledge the fact that Jews, in my opinion survived today in part, not perhaps entirely but in part uh, to uh, what we refer to as rabbinic Judaism that shapes who we are, how we pray how we studied, all that that came after the destruction of the, of the temple, and it clearly has evolved in many, many, many different ways. Rabbinic Judaism should be credited with our survival as a people, I would say our physical survival among other ways. It also should be blamed for the death of our spiritual demise. Rabbinic Judaism has crushed our spirit, crushed our imagination, limited us, us, to uh, um, a very small box of observance, where uh, micro observance has become celebrated rather than anything that evokes passion, uh, and 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 uh, and excites the intellect, we are reducing ourselves. So that I say with some, uh, um, you know, uh, with some humor perhaps, mahu uh, nitzamtim sam nitzamtim. If God, you know, in Kabbalistic way, w- w- ways, uh, reduces himself, limits himself, so now you're gonna limit yourself to a, a, a different kind of entity. And I think that has to be, say, uh, that's my observation. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, you know, we have to openly acknowledge that our prayer is more often than not robotic, and often, more often than not inaccessible, meaningless, vacuous, leaving your spirit completely empty. Uh, I I have to say that I I myself came to the awareness of the enormous irony of where that really is in Orthodox Judaism. We approach God in the most intimate way, uh, on the most personal basis, on what we call the High Holidays, which begin and end with prayers. We begin with Slichos, and we end with Hoshanahs at the end of Hoshana Rabbah. Not one percent, not one percent, of Orthodox Jews who get up every morning and chant the slichos understand what they're saying. And I've yet to find any Jew who disagrees with that. Anecdotal. I don't believe anyone can disagree. Not, so it's basically a chant that's indecipherable with no meaning even if you have art scroll in English likewise in Hoshanas not 1% understands anything we walk around we beat the Hoshanas we blow the shofar nish kenayin well,
0: vod not understand but more importantly not feel not feel okay
1: so I say it takes your breath away to understand <laughs> where, where do you begin to build a spiritual life when you're chanting words that are completely indecipherable. Okay, that's that's takes my takes my <laughs> breath away. So, um, I can understand where young people say, get me out of this. You know, i come for challah and kiddush. I enjoy that. You want to give me something to drink? You want to give me some food? You want to sing some songs? D- don't bring me into this stuff, because this is... Not something that that brings me any joy or satisfaction or any uplift or anything like that, and that's unfortunately, absolutely, Rabbinic Judaism, you know, and 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 we have to we have to assign responsibility for that I believe, and we have to understand if we're, what we're going to do with that, you know, are we going to continue that robotic, meaningless, vacuous, performance, and hope that somehow God gets moved by that or we get moved by it. That's beyond my pay grade. So we switch back. We switch over to the other side
0: of the coin. Uh, I just want to comment on everything that you just said. Please. That I'm in agreement.
1: Even in Chabad Lubavitch,
0: you can tell me it's different there too. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 it exists there as well. Okay. Despite the and this is despite the fact that one of the novelties that Chabad tried to create uh, when his founding, the Shnei of Liadi he introduced a few novel ideas. One of them was he tried to reinvigorate tefillah
1: mm. okay. when my kids were young I used to tell them uh, my, my own um I would tell them that you, you haven't fulfilled your tefillah until you've spoken of what you want in English and of course by 4th grade they knew I was making it up but um, <clears throat> okay so um, um, I, I, are you asking me a question now?
0: Yeah, you know, so we wanted to follow up about the spirituality. So, you, you laid out that uh, you know there's a lack of spirituality, right. spirituality. You no, know, the spiritual, the death of spirituality, right? Uh, in rabbinic Judaism, in Judaism that you grew up with, and you being a spiritually sensitive individual, um, first of all rejected what it, uh, you know, the the, the, the racism. Uh, the prejudice that it bred, and then you started looking or exploring spirituality, and right. that led you to.
1: So, you you haven't asked the question. So, I mean, you, what, what
0: is the spirituality that it led you to? Okay.
1: So I think I think I would say in the in a general sense the answer my answer to your question is, um, I will, I will observe, the spirituality where I find it, and I will grab it and make it my own, if I can, and find it meaningful. It does not mean that everything I see in Christianity I celebrate um, and accept, nor from Islam, nor from anywhere. I just say that as I walk through this journey, i found nuggets along the way that I say, I want this, and I make it my own. And and in so doing, I feel, again, the sense of liberated liberation from the restrictions and limitations of rabbinic Judaism, from the confines, from the mitzrayim of the rabbis, from the tyranny of the rabbis. Okay? The prison. The prison, the spiritual prison that they had me born into. Uh, and I celebrate God's creation and the diversity which which he has decided to manifest himself through the populations of the world. Uh, and um, I find it thrilling to do so. Um, I would tell anyone who comes from an Orthodox background that if you are moved by the prostration, by the Korim that you do on Yom Kippur, when they repeat the avoda from the, from, from the Kohen, and you feel that when you're falling on the ground, you're moved by that choreography, it works. You should try it again when you just pray privately because it will move you someplace you haven't expected to be. That's directly, obviously, what Muslims feel when they pray five times a day. Um, I would also submit that if you are running out to the restroom to get a piece of paper towel or toilet paper, God deserves a silk rug. It's a much different experience, and I I provide that for people around me. So it's a much better feeling that you're praying on soft silk than on a piece of unused toilet paper. You know, we should, we should celebrate that a little bit nicer. Um, but that's a small step. You know, just imagine to sort of extend your awareness of what is was once Jewish, once was Jewish. We know that scriptures filled with examples of people who fell on their faces uh, when they prayed or greeted nobility and so on. Um, but more, more concrete, when I uh, was praying in a mosque in the Middle East, I actually went not for prayer, excuse me, when I went inside to observe prayer, uh, and I was talking quietly to somebody near me, uh, and a man approached me and said, excuse me, I know you're a visitor here, I just want to tell you that in this space we have only one conversation, and that's to him, our Father in Heaven. And at that moment, I realized I just learned something very valuable. You can sanctify a space. And I've not ever seen any synagogue so sanctified. So that we are basically a fish market. We chatter. And the rabbis have allowed, Ben Gavra, Gavra, before B'och after Shtabach, but the bottom line is, chatter, 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 chatter. And then every once in a while, the rabbi gets up and says, Shh! Stop talking. Five seconds later, he talks, the president talks, and Jose Vaita. So I've learned that was a learning for me. And from then on, I try to sit by myself, have no conversations. I don't want to have anyone to talk I want to try to reach the level of that man who taught me that he learned. Want to comment, or should I go on?
0: No, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Um, could I ask you then why do you. Do you find spirituality in Orthodoxy at this time, or you're still identify practice Orthodox Jew because of another reason?
1: No, I do find spirituality. Okay, I mean many manifestations of it. So
0: hundred percent. And that's why you remain an Orthodox Jew. I've chosen to be
1: that, and that's where I am and will be. Absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you that the only reason is spirituality. But if you're asking me, is there spirituality? Yeah. There is spirituality. No question. I try to enhance it. As for example, before we ate our muffin, I made the, my blessing uh, that a Muslim man taught me. And I consider that to be an enhancement of the, of the blessing. Would you agree with
0: that? I definitely would. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I definitely would. It made you a consciousness of what you can do uh, with that muffin uh, and what you want it to give you and your acknowledgement that it comes from God.
1: Yeah, and uh, I learned that from, from, from uh, a Sudanese Muslim, absolutely.
0: And wow. then you go on to make the my name as another. He
1: he has insisted and I make my own, of course. <laughs> this is a turbocharge of the blessing. Mm-hmm. It's just taking the baseline and putting on a booster rocket. And mm-hmm. you say and, and I've said this with real haredi people around me, but ask permission because we know here, maybe there's only this Gearsa, you don't want to hear the other and the, you know
0: <laughs> There we go.
1: Um I I, I observed um, honoring parents keep it of aim uh, as a gold standard in the world of Islam now they will quick to say what I observed is not uniform and universal and I'm quick to say that Sephardic Jews approach that level much more and even so the Ashkenazi Jews also have been known I've heard and seen amazing stories of honoring mother and father but I the probability the frequency the common, the common behavior patterns are such that I, as an Ashkenazi Jew, can say that the gold standard exists in the world of Islam. And I'll give you an example of that. Are we okay, time-wise, though?
0: Yeah, I'm, well, I'm not rushing anywhere.
1: I was uh, in Abu Dhabi uh, at the time. I, I still go, but not as frequently as I used to. And I was having a meeting. So I was working on a project with a man who was then the head of the Islamic uh, authority. And uh, he sent his driver to my hotel, and I waited outside, and sure enough, he showed up in his car, and I sat in the back seat, and the man turned to me and said, "Uh, I haven't seen you in a long time. And I said, well, I was here last month. I do come often. He says, no, I haven't seen you because I was away. I said, oh, very nice. And where were you? He said, I was in America, my first trip. I said, magnificent. Where did you go to? and he told me I went to Houston. I said, fantastic, where else did you go? He said, just Houston. I said, how long were you there? He said, I was there for three months, one week, two days. I said, all in Houston? What did you do for that time? And he said, I was there with my mother who was in a hospital. I took her there and praised the God, Alhamdulillah, She was in a hospital. I would come in the morning and sit with her. And at night, there was a hotel nearby. I would go home and sleep, come back the next morning every day. And I said, that's amazing. How is she feeling? Much better. Much better, thank God. I said, it must have been very hard for you to do that for so long. And he said, it wasn't hard. I had my wife my children with me. So he brought his family so they could be with his mother for that period of time and I was shocked by the story. He dropped me off and I went to meet my friend Hamdan Al Mazuli and I, he said, how are you doing? I said, I just heard the most amazing story and I told him the story that his driver had told me. And he said to me, what was so shocking about the story? He didn't understand what I told him and why I was shocked by it because to his mind, it's a very common way of taking care of your parents. I don't know. In my background of an Ashkenazic Jew, shall we say close to me, so I don't be judgmental, who would have done that every day for a week, sit all day, every day for a week. Uh, And I became envious of that gold standard. And we have a standard for sure. I consider ours wood. (laughs) Wood standard is not, not, no wood, you make a shtender out of wood, seats out of wood, desks out of wood. We can't live without wood but it's not the gold standard. And I used to visit my father and, and his uh, assisted living. i all Jewish, kosher, grad kosher facility. People would routinely tell me my visits dwarf. And how often would I come? Twice, three times a week for an hour. People are there for months without having seen their kids. Commonly, commonly. And uh, I, I have to say that I, I came to understand and deeply admire, and I was envious of their ability to, to perform that. Before they pray, they wash their eyes lest they have seen something bad. He, the ears, their mouth, feet, and hands, like the Rambam would tell you to do. But the idea of washing out your mouth before prayer, before you talk to God, I found endearing, beautiful, and I've copied that. I, I will not take my shoes and socks off you know, before I go Dublin. But I think that is another example of you know um, the beauty behind prayer. My 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 career had me um, at one point very close to a deeply Christian man, whose brother went to Africa after medical school, and for thirty plus years worked as a missionary doctor before retiring back to the states. Um, I can't... I never met that man. I met his brother, Don. And I thought to myself, it really is hard for me to accept that a doctor would do that for strangers because he believes the teaching of Jesus so instructed him that we have anything comparable. So I said to myself, to you... The rabbis, who would have me believe that I am more spiritual and my people are more spiritual than this man whose soul approaches that of an animal, leave me alone.
0: Or give me the soul of that animal.
1: Okay. I just said, leave me, you know, go away from me because you are contaminating me with your folly. Okay? Okay. You okay
0: with those examples? I'm very okay. Those are beautiful examples. Okay. Um, those are beautiful examples that I'm sure, you know, I think what makes you special is that. i uh, sorry about that. I think what makes you special is that uh, while we all observe uh, events and see what people around us do that is unique. Uh, you happen to be able to zero in on it, and uh, and capture it. Um, to what you spoke earlier, and that's something sort of my, you know my my uh, my expertise or you know what I'm what I'm what I care about is the idea of young people and uh, why they are to a great degree um, uninterested uh, in the Judaism of their of their upbringing, and even if it's Orthodox. Um there is a you know they enjoy coming together the social part of it uh the communal element of it, but the uh religious element of it is only valuable in so far as how it contributes to the social um, not to mention spirituality as something that is completely void. it is a real issue uh and it disturbs me greatly and what I hope from, that will come out from this conversation, that other people will listen to it, is the understanding that a uh, there is a void of spirituality, and b that you need to seek it, and you need to seek it so strongly that wherever you see it, you will you will grab it, and you can't. And seeking it doesn't mean only looking in a particular text and trying to decipher it and see what it does for you. But seeking it is actually more of a state of mind where you're just seeking it like you'd seek every opportunity to earn a dollar, every business opportunity. You look everywhere you could you see it. You could, every you could find it. You take it in. The same with the spirituality. Uh, and I believe that, you know, people today do have that capacity. Um, I think we just need to be spoken more about it and, and show them examples of individuals who've, who do, have done it.
1: So I'd rather not be that example, but I will make a comment about um, what, you just, what you've just said. Um, I think we're, we're in an age where we have um, a hugely, profoundly uh, greater chance of shaping our thinking and our thought processes uh, on an individual basis. Which is part of the dilemma that I think rabbis and congregations are having, because they're only given the the standard, and uh, you know in the sixties that the Khabura movement and people were trying to break off. Now we have through the internet and through our ability to reach so many different ways of finding what we want and see- and seeking. So it's it's a great challenge and a threat to in some sense Jewish continuity, also uh, an opportunity if you embrace it to say here's your DNA, uh, let's teach you what Judaism has to offer and enhance it in ways which you want to and, and seek out. And, and and the paradigm that I use for that is post 9-11. Uh, I think it was a very healthy realization uh, for, at least I thought for most of us who experienced that trauma, that in large measure we have to dismiss the notion that they will take care of us. The government will take care of us. The fire department, the police, they're there to help, but no one, you are your first responder. You have to build the capacities to be self-reliant and to provide for yourself and your dear ones as first responders. Well, guess what? We have to be our own spiritual first responders too. We can't come in and saying, please touch my forehead and I will be blessed with a good day. We have to you know, go on a quest, and that quest should be fearless. Once you have the background, you should be encouraged with confidence to go fearlessly out and find what you look. And of course, of course the voices from my past will say, they're going to become Buddhist monks. Some might. Some might become Buddhist, Some might become Christians. Some might become atheists. Some might. That's, it's a risk. But when your parent gives the, ba- the core values and the teachings and hopefully some wisdoms and says, go forth, I have confidence in you, and that you will shape a future that will be meaningful and thoughtful and inspiring, I think that's really the path that we should encourage our young people to take.
0: I'm full agreement with that. Absolutely. And I think uh, there's a hesitancy, hesitancy to do that on the part of uh, parents and educators, Mostly because they haven't experienced it themselves. And because they don't know what that is, they think that that's not the way it's to be done. And it's a lot simpler and a lot easier just to give instructions and Mm -hmm. say, fall into this line, do these instructions, fit in like everybody else. And then as a parent and as an educator, I did my part. That the the child or the young, young man or woman is uninspired. And then when they leave that environment, they're completely indifferent is not my concern, or, or I don't care to, to see beyond that. Uh, but if you give them that background, that, that, that um, foundation, and that included within that spirituality, and the spirituality is sort of the, the, called the engine that fuels them forward to grow and to explore and to be able to take what they have and make it relevant to them, make it a part of their individualistic life, uh, and live a, a life, a wholesome life, where God's presence is there in every moment, uh, both in every moment of their lives and everything that they observe. Or not.
1: There is that risk, right? You know, you know, we, we can't oh, well, tell them that's what they're going to find.
0: Well, oh, well, the alternative, which is, which is what's happening right now, it's, there's also no God.
1: Or, or some combination, right? Wax and wings. I mean, I'm just saying that in, in, we can't predict, predict what will happen.
0: We can't predict what happened, but we are observing what is happening now. Okay, fair enough. And what is happening now is unsustainable, uh, or perhaps even destructive, self-destructive yeah. uh, from within. Um, and the alternative obviously has... Ha- everything you do has risks, uh, but I think the risks are more fears than they are actual risks. I uh, have sufficient confidence uh, both in in, the, in in young people sufficient confidence in in Judaism uh, that people could that Judaism will only enhance their spirituality and allow them to find and allow them to observe spirituality in everything that they see and the examples that you gave are are beautiful and reflect that really strongly and I think it's because of your spiritual orientation that you were able to see that hear that story get that whisper from the person in the mosque and say that is a life's lesson uh, that you could then bring back to your shul in, in that case, or to you know visiting your dad. Though I don't think that's why you why you visited your dad, but seeing uh, understanding that as a standard that we should all strive to. Um,
1: Thanks for the time and the opportunity. Nice to the actually. time is
0: yours. the opportunity is mine. But the time is yours. I really, really, really appreciate this. Of
1: course, my pleasure. Good luck.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. Look out for our newest podcast to be posted each Thursday. In the meantime, the conversation continues on our website, anewconvo.com.